Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could be here. You're listening to part five in our series, Hashtag Throwback. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Good morning, Kingdom Church. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, I'm so happy that each and every one of you guys are here with me this morning. If you guys can just stay standing, we're going to read our Bible text for today. If you guys have a Bible, you can open it up to Genesis. If you have your phone, you can open it up. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen behind us. It's Genesis 15, 1 to 4. It says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. For I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, no. Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Today's message is called Barren Blessings. Before you guys take a seat, I want you to make eye contact with one person and give them one of these. And then take a seat. You guys can put your hands together for the band. Okay, I am so happy to be preaching up here with you guys today. (laughs) Did you guys know that you're part of history right now? This is history in the making. This is my first time preaching solo here at, not here at King Church, ever, in general. It's a privilege, it's an honor to be up here, and most importantly, it's a test to see if Harrison's job of preaching or my job of watching the twin girls is harder. (laughs) We're in the middle of our Genesis series called Hashtag Throwback. Clap your hands if you guys have enjoyed it so far. Yeah, it's been an awesome series so far. Today, I'm going to focus on the story of Abraham and Sarah, and I want to focus on the topic of how we as human beings can have faith and be confident in God, no matter the timeline, no matter the circumstance, no matter what kind of situation we go through. So let's pray and get started. Dear Jesus, I just pray that uh, you would calm that nervousness in my voice, that you would open our hearts and our minds, and that we would just be able to receive what you want to say through me today. In your name, amen. Okay, so to give us some surrounding context, we pick up in the middle of the story of Abram and Sarai. Now, to let you in on something, Abram and Sarai's uh, names are changed to Abraham and Sarah. God changes their names when they start following him. God gives them a new identity and he gives them new names. So if I intermingle Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah, they're the exact same names. So these people had very little knowledge of God. And God asked Abram to leave his country, and God promised or made a covenant with Abram, saying, I'm going to bless your descendants, I'm going to make you into a great nation. God was literally saying to Abraham, I choose you 
to be the father of a nation, to be the father of my nation, who I eventually am going to save the entire world through. Now, we pick up um, in a part of the story where Abram and Sarah have already been married for about 11 years, and they haven't been able to have any kids. So if you're ready, say, let's go. When I was nine weeks pregnant, uh, Harrison and I went to an ultrasound hoping to hear a little heartbeat. In that ultrasound, the ultrasound technician told us that there was two heartbeats and that we were going to have twins. From that moment forward, even though I sometimes doubted, I pictured the rest of my life with twins. Now, having twins is labeled a high-risk pregnancy, so we went to about one appointment every single week. And this appointment was very routine. Somebody would come and do the appointment. They'd leave for about 10 minutes. During those 10 minutes, Harris and I were very routine. I would stress. I'd Google everything that I had seen on the screen or that the lady had told me. Harrison would scroll through the Tiger Woods score. <laughs> He'd then put the doctor's gloves on doing some kind of inappropriate joke without fail every time. After those 10 minutes were up, the doctor would come in and she'd go over the results with us. And during those results, time after time, she would say the exact same thing. She'd say something like, this one's cord isn't working how it should. This one's not getting the nutrition that it should. This one's heartbeat is faster. This one's heartbeat is slower. And time after time, she would tell me these concerns that were going on regarding these two little human beings inside of me. And I would feel so anxious. I'd feel so desperate. I'd feel so helpless. Time after time, she'd be telling me these things. It made me realize that somebody had told me something, but it might not happen the way that they had told me. It made me realize that this problem was occurring in my life, but I had no control over it. After one appointment in specific, Harris and I got in the car, and I was just explaining. I was like, man, like, I just feel so helpless. And I mean, I was probably crying too, but like, I was just like, I just feel so desperate. I don't know what to do. And he, I remember he took my hand and he just looked into my eyes so lovingly. And I was just waiting for these motivational, like, words that just, like, streamed lovingness. And he said, Chris, it's not about you. <laughs> now, in the moment, I probably gave him the cold shoulder for a minute or two weeks. Who knows? But those words come back into my mind so many times in so many situations. It's not about me. It's not about me. There's a promise and a problem. Promises come with problems. There's something that we're believing in, but it's not happening the way that we picture it should be. God had promised Abraham that he was going to become the father of a great nation. God's nation and that the whole world was dependent on Abraham's child because Jesus, generations afterwards, would come from Abraham's seed. Now, Abraham and Sarah heard this promise. They heard that they were going to have a child and that their nations would be blessed and they were going to have so many descendants, but they are also practical people. Abraham was like, what the heck, I'm 99, my wife is 89, we've been married for 11 years, like... God, like, trust me, we've tried. It ain't happening. At this point, there was, it was a literal dead end. There was no foreseeable future. Until, somebody say until. God declared that it was his promise and it would be fulfilled by his plan. 
God says, do not be afraid, Abram. Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own. Throughout the Bible, God is showing us the deficiency of humanity and the grace of God. Without God, there is no hope. Every one of us are barren unless we have a relationship with God. There's just something missing. I'm not sure if you're aware, but you're not the only one in this room. You're not the only one watching church online right now that has something missing, that is barren, that has a problem. Whether that's parenting issues, financial issues, job issues, marital issues, whether that's anxiety, loneliness, stress, we all have problems. We all experience something in life when we are believing in something, but we don't know how to get there. We don't know how we're going to get there. And that's why we're here. We're clinging to a hope that our creator, the one who created us, knows best and has the best life in store for us. God is saying to every one of us, hey, I created you. I have a purpose for your life. I have a plan. I have something better than you could ever imagine in store for your life. Just take the step of faith. Don't be afraid. We need to trust that when we take that step, when we come to church, when we pray, when we read our Bible, that God will activate his promises. The moment that Abram took that step and left his country, God activated the promises on his life. Our relationship with God will be activated. Our lives will be activated. I want us to think right now, what are you believing for in this season right now? Is it healing? Is it health? Is it a job? Is it a husband? <laughs> Whatever it is, God is saying, don't be afraid. Believe in it. Have faith in me. Abraham's call wasn't easy. God called him to leave his land, which meant leaving his ident identity, his family, his friends, his familiarity. Our call today isn't easy. It takes commitment and time and trust in the unseen. But God promised and continues to promise to call us from lesser into greater. Not necessarily bigger, just more meaningful and more purposeful. God was saying, Abraham, don't be afraid. This is my plan. You're a part of my plan. It's not about you. It's about me. Just take this step by step, day by day, trusting and building a relationship with me so your heart's desires will be fulfilled. So many people today live with this crippling anxiety because they know they want to get somewhere. They're believing in something, but they can't get there by themselves. They're at a dead end. So often we forget that God is not constrained by what constrains us. We cannot fill a God promise without God. And when we're believing for something and we see something in our future, but we don't have full control of getting there, but we try to anyways, we fail. And we're filled with this shame and this discontent and this guilt, believing, believing that we have failed when we were never the answer or the solution in the first place. Understanding that it's not about us, it's about God, will set us free of that burden of carrying life on our shoulders all alone. The most amazing part about living a life for God, even though it's not about us, is that he focuses on us throughout the journey. In the story of Abraham, we see God working in and through him. 
Abraham's characters out, as we'll see, his characteristics, as we'll see, are imperfect. He fails, he messes up, he makes mistakes, but it didn't stop God and it didn't stop Abraham. We as people are deficient. We're going to fail, but it doesn't matter to God. God just says, take that step day by day, trusting in me. Abraham wasn't satisfied to remain in his current condition. He wasn't satisfied to just sit and just sit in his mistakes and his failures. He said, God, use me. Sarah did the same thing. She took that step of faith along with her husband, and the promise of a child was activated. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily say it, but I'm guessing that one of Sarah's deepest longings in life was a child. And as soon as she took that step, God activated that promise. God was developing Abraham and Sarah for the promise. Every day, every step, every failure was being developed. Genesis 16, 1-4 says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Hagar, or Sarah said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have a child through her. Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal, obviously. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When we read this story, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's easy to put the blame on Abraham and Sarah. Like you heard God speaking into your life, and you couldn't just trust. You couldn't just obey. You couldn't just have faith. It's so easy to speak into somebody else's situation when you're not in their shoes. It's easy to judge their actions and their reactions when you're not walking the way they're walking. It's easy, um, it's easy when you're believing in something, when somebody else is believing in something, and you just don't know how to get there. Um, <laughs> um, when you're believing in something, whether it's a relationship or a job, whatever it is, it's easier said than done. Waiting is hard. Harrison and I have felt that God is calling us to move to St. Albert. No, he's not calling us? Okay. Um, to plant our roots here in St. Albert. So we started the process. Um, we got a great realtor. We uh, put our house up for sale. We did some paperwork. We looked at some houses in St. Albert. We even put some offers in. And then we waited. And we waited for everything to fall into place. And we waited. And we're waiting. And every single day I can see that we're becoming a little more desperate than the last. Our budget has slightly increased. Our standards have slightly decreased. This week, we didn't care what kind of house it was. We would give ours away if that one had AC. Last week, Harrison thought he was the star of an HGTV show, could gut and renovate an entire house. I, I found myself looking at houses in Beaumont and Leduc. We're becoming every day a little more desperate than the last. Waiting is hard. But we know that whenever it is, the promise is St. Albert's. What, what, what we've had to do is put our substitute plans, our alternative plans of HGTV and Beaumont to the side and say, hey, God, like, we have faith in you, and so we're going to be faithful in our part. If we look at the verse closely, Sarah's literally saying, okay, God, technically I know you said that I'm going to have a child, that we're going to have a child, 
it's been a really long time. I'm kind of sick of waiting. Technically, you're the one that prevented me from having children in the first place. So she says to Abraham, let's just have a child. Let's make this work so that God can bless what we create. So many times we want that promise. We want that relationship with God. We want to feel that fulfillment. We want that house. We want that child. And we're believing God for it so bad that we get in our own way of thinking because we think technically. God said that, but technically this way is easier. I know God technically said not to have sex before marriage, but technically, technically God said this, but technically we spin what God said into our own language, and so it makes ourselves feel better. And what we're doing when we say that, we're saying, I'm not willing to wait on God because my prerogative is more important than his purpose. My heart goes out for Sarah. She felt desperate. Not being able to have a child is heartbreaking. And back in their culture, it was literally considered a curse because she was the reason that her husband's name ceased to exist, that his lineage ceased to exist. She felt desperate. She felt like a disappointment as a wife. And as soon as we start feeling desperate, we'll do anything to get where we want to go, to get to where we think we deserve to go. This is the desperation downfall. Sarah had Hagar sleep with Abraham. Abraham agreed and Hagar got pregnant. They were so desperate that they removed the promise giver from the promise. Now we need to understand that the actual act of Sarah giving Hagar to sleep with Abraham and Abraham sleeping with Hagar was not wrong in and of itself. In their culture, that practice was normal. Was it okay in God's eyes? No. But the reason it was wrong is because they took control and put in their alternative plans instead of following God. At first, Abraham and Sarah think the plan's working perfectly. They're fist pumping each other. Hagar's pregnant. Yes, all is well. But soon they realize that they have set a problematic human plan in motion. The story goes on to say that Hagar starts mistreating Sarah. Sarah starts mistreating Hagar. Hagar eventually runs away. We don't have time for that storyline. Read it. But what we need to know is that substituting Hagar into the plan was substituting a worldly method instead of following God. In the spirit of Pastor Harrison, write this down. Substitutes don't limit the plan. They limit us. Substitutes don't limit the plan. They limit us. Because we serve a God who is not limited by what limits us, the plan will persevere, but we will pay the price. We'll pay the price of heartbreak, of heartbreak, of hurt, of rejection, of conflict, of frustration. So many times in life, it's easier to take the easy way instead of waiting for God's promises, God's best. When we substitute ourselves into the plan, we disobey at the most fundamental level. Even though Abraham didn't technically break any rules, he substituted himself, his plan, into God's plan. We see in the Bible the deficiency of human beings, just like Abraham, the self-centeredness, the sinful, the selfishness. But we also see Abraham gripping to God's promise no matter how many times he fails, and the only way he comes out on top is just faith, having faith in God, just taking that step forward. We need to understand that God knew we were going to make mistakes, and that's why he died for us. If we believe the lie 
that Christianity is about our goodness and not God's grace, we'll continue to fail. And we'll fail and we'll feel guilty and we'll feel shameful and we'll be unhappy. We need to remember that substituting anything in the place of God will eventually run dry. Our girls, our twin girls, get hungry about every three hours. And before they even get hungry, I know they're going to be hungry. They don't need to cry. They don't need to scream. They don't need to tell me. I know they're going to get hungry. And better than that, I'm usually prepared. A couple days ago, we were in the car, and Abigail got hangry. She was screaming. She was, like, ripping her little neck pillow off. She was tossing her toys out of her car seat. It was loud back there. And all of a sudden, it goes silent. And I look in my rearview mirror, and Abigail had reached down to her water bottle, got it, and she was just chugging it. Like, she wasn't really content. She was kind of, like, chugging in between each. She was kind of whining in between each chug. But multiple times, I look back at her, and I was like, Abby, just wait, we're five minutes from home and I'll feed you. She's only eight months, so she didn't really understand what I was saying. But what I was trying to say to her is if she just waits five minutes, we'll be home and I can feed her the milk. I didn't want her to fill up on the water. What I was trying to express to her is that if she just waited, I would give her something so much more thirst quenching, so much more pleasing, so much more satisfying if she just waited. And it goes the same for us today. God is saying, don't settle for life's alternatives while waiting on my promises. I know what's best for you. I have in store for your life what's best for you. There's no substitution for having a personal relationship with God. There's no substitution for Jesus dying for us. There's no substitution for what I have in store for your life. Are there alternatives? Absolutely. God says, or we say, you know, this kind of looks good, or this feels good, or this is good. Is an alternative? Yeah. Is there, is there an alternative to happiness? Yeah. You know, is there mediocre relationships without God? Yes. Are there mediocre lives without God? Absolutely. But none of them are worth it. We need to choose Jesus over these temporary fixes because they're just temporary. Don't settle for anything less than what you're believing in God for, for what God has in store for your life, for what he's spoken and created you for. He says, follow me, have faith in me. Don't let desperation be your downfall. On a side note, sometimes in life, we are not going to get what we thought was a promise. Sometimes life is hard and seasons are mundane and days are long. But does that mean that God isn't faithful? No. Does that mean that he isn't a promise keeper? No. Sometimes life just suck. We get things that we don't want, and we don't get things that we want. It happens. But our obedience in him should still be strong. Our trust shouldn't waver. Because a relationship with him in the end is all that matters. He can only satisfy our deepest longing. Genesis 21, 1 to 3. Let's keep going. It says, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened just the time God had said it would, and Abraham named their son Isaac. Hands up if you like waiting. Good thing. I hate waiting. I hate waiting in lines. I hate waiting in traffic. 
I hate waiting for the five seconds on an advertisement before you can skip it. I hate waiting for food. I hate waiting for Harrison. And I'm the same way with God. I'm like, I'm like, God, like I'm down here busting my butt, hurrying around, and you're just up there taking your sweet time. Like, where's my promises? We think to ourselves, I've read my Bible and I've gone to church. God, I don't see any changes. We've gone, I've gone speed dating and I've changed my profile to say I'm Christian. Like, I'm doing my part. Like, God, where's my husband? I've gone, gotten my degree. I've prayed. Where's my job, God? Nothing's happening. Where's my reward? Where's my promise? The verse says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. And this happened just the time God had said it would. When God says he will, he will. And just on time, every single time. God is working in your waiting. God is saying step by step, Day by day, even if you don't see it, I am working. Things are changing. Even if you can't notice, you are planting a seed, seed by seed, preparing for a harvest. Every step you take forwards in a relationship with God is a change that will be an internal change. It may not be how we want. We may not get something when we want. But we need to have faith that God knows best and he is slowly developing us, preparing us for his promise. And we're to be faithful where we're at right now in this moment. We can see in the story of Abraham that promises come with problems. But we have to believe that the promise is worth overcoming the problem. God was developing Abraham and Sarah's faith in the waiting. For Sarah and Abraham to have a child, it couldn't be by their own effort. They had to believe and recognize that only God could do it for them. They had to have faith. Even though Abraham and Sarah uh, failed and messed up time and time again, they still had a child of their own. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises when we believe. Every time we fail, every time we mess up, the enemy will try and convince us that we've lost God's grace, that we've lost that promise. But God is a promise keeper and his grace is endless. If you're sitting here today unsure if, that, if God is faithful, unsure if you have ever experienced his faithfulness, unsure if the promise is for you, Psalm says, Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's saying, just try me. God says, just step into a relationship with me and I'll show you my faithfulness. I want to end with Genesis 15, 6. It says that Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was his faith that made him righteous with God. A lot of big words. Let's break it down. Abraham did not do something to earn God's love or to earn that promise. He believed and had faith that God is who he says he is. So many of us get caught in the idea that our faith will make us live good, perfect lives. But in the story, the verse is saying, that Abraham's faith credited him, credited him as, right, as righteous. His faith made him righteous in God's eyes before he did anything. 
it goes against the common idea that we're either living good, right lives and therefore accepted by God, or not living good lives and therefore separated by God. But this is saying, God is saying, you don't need to clean up your life. You don't need to be perfect or even close to perfect before you come to me. Just come to me. My grace is endless. I want to meet you where you're at. I want to give you my grace right now. It's saying that our mistakes and our failures don't ruin our position with God. All the promises that God gave Abraham came true in time. Abraham, Abraham had a son. His nations were blessed. Jesus comes from Abraham's seed. God's timing is best. God's promises are best. He wants the best for our lives, and we need to take that step uh, forward towards him. I was walking with my girls a couple days ago, and I have a double stroller. So Kensley was sitting in the front facing forwards, and Abigail was sitting in the back facing me. And I was, as I was walking forwards, Abigail caught my eye, and she was looking directly up at me. And I gave her a little smile, and I just continued walking on our little path. And she caught my eye again. And I, when I looked down, she was just persistent in her eye contact with me. And I tried to look away to see if she'd lose interest. I talked to somebody who was gardening. It didn't matter what was going on around me. Every time I looked down, I saw these big, blue, innocent eyes staring back at me. This little child who I created, who was completely dependent on me, was looking at me, not taking her gaze off of me for one second. And in that moment, I felt like I had just been able to experience a small glimpse of God's goodness. I felt like I'd been able to experience what God must feel when we're looking straight at him, never taking our gaze off of him, dependent on his every move, trusting in his promises, in his love, in his goodness. It was such an awesome experience. If you guys could just stand. I'm not sure what your story is or what kind of season you guys are in right now, what you're waiting for, what you're believing for, what God is speaking into your life right now. But I know you're here for a reason. I know that God is calling you to say yes to that invitation, to just respond to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes or failures you're going to have in life. If you're looking to God, he'll pick you up every single time. It's his plan and not ours. I just encourage us to just never take our eyes off him no matter how, how tough life gets. God is speaking promises into our life of love and peace and happiness. He has so much potential and so much in store for our life right now. Let's just all close our eyes. If you want to just say, Jesus, I want to take that step. I want to live that life of faith. I want to be saved by your grace and I want to fulfill your promise through me. If that's you, we're just going to pray, and I just encourage you to raise your hand. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. Even though I went very fast in the beginning, I just thank you for your goodness, your grace, your promises, your unconditional love. And I thank you that it's just a gift that we can just respond to your invitation and say, Jesus, I just want to take that step.
It doesn't matter if it's step by step, day by day. I just want to start. We just thank you that we're all here, and we just thank you for this, this opportunity just to get to know you more and be surrounded by community. In your name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, we would love to get to know you, love to meet you. Why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca and fill out a connect card. We'd love to get in touch with you. Until next time, take care.